Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Всім доброго ранку, українці. Зараз в мережі дуже багато з'явилось фейкової інформації, що немов я закликаю складати зброю нашу армію і де евакуація. Значить так, я тут, ніякої зброї ми не складемо, будемо захищати нашу державу, тому що наша зброя – це наша правда. Наша правда в тому, що це наша земля, наша країна, наші діти, і ми все це будемо захищати. Ось і все. Ось це і є те, що я хотів вам сказати. Слава Україні! Half of the people are listening to that. Hi, everybody. How are you? Welcome to this episode of After Nine. Half the people heard that and thought, oh, my God, there it is. There he is, the president of Ukraine, the man with balls of steel and leadership oozing out of his pores. And the other half probably thought we got hacked by the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I on the right podcast? What did I, what did I click on I don't know what that guy's saying, Kat, but uh, I hope that over the weekend people got a chance to learn a little bit more about what's happening in Russia, in Ukraine, and learned a little bit more about the president of Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy who the Americans offered to get him out. And, and it was smart of Joe Biden to do that. Hey, get a hold of the president in Ukraine. Tell him we will get him out. He'll still be running his country, but we'll keep him safe so that there's continuity on the ground and the Ukrainian people can have confidence that we have a functioning government here. What did he say? I need ammunition, not a ride. This guy is going to fight to the bitter end for his country. And frankly, I don't know how you get leadership better than that. This guy is standing up to Russian aggression like I don't know many other world leaders that would. If the, the roles were reversed, if Russia was coming at Canada right now, is Justin Trudeau going to be, hand me an AK-47. I'll, I'll go out and defend Young Street. Or a photo or two. <laughs> You're right. He's not going to do that. He went to a secure location when the truck drivers were coming. He's not going to fucking defend Young look, Street. I, and look, I don't think that just because you're leading the country, you, that means you need to, to you know, bear weapons, get out there, let's go. I, I don't necessarily agree, think that either, but I do think that's uh, commendable, extremely commendable. Yeah, I mean, there's leadership on the ground. The commitment of the Ukrainian people to their country, it's inspiring. I mean, yeah, we're Canadian. We're proud of being Canadian. I don't know if shit goes down, if we're going to be like, you know what? Give me a gun. I'll stand up for this country. I don't know how many people would do that. But over there, people are like, give me a gun. Give me a quick tutorial on how to use it. Tell me what you need me to do. They want to defend their land against this invasion. What if they're, I feel like it was like a, like a Miss Ukraine of some kind uh, supermodel. I saw that she was posting that she's getting out there too. Like, screw this. I'm doing this. You know, if I, if I have the means to do it, I'm doing it. Um, I guess good on them. As long as, like you mentioned, I hope that's the case. People are properly trained because that way you don't get hurt, right? We don't want to see a lot of people get hurt that shouldn't be getting hurt. Um but yeah, I would like to think that I would try to defend my my country if I had the ability to do so in whatever way that might be. I found it interesting in looking at posts, various posts, just from a Canadian standpoint, the amount of people that don't realize how close we are to Russia. That's what I find interesting. Canada? Yeah. It's very close well, to Russia. But here's the thing, Scott, because when you look at the map, right, people, you can look at a map, a flat map, 
And Russia's way over here to the left, and we're here to the right. But you got to put two and two together to realize it's in the shape of we're. It's around our Earth. Around. Say it again for the people in the back. Yeah, it's round. I know. So you just go ahead and fold that up here, and oh, what you know, we're pretty close, eh? I, I actually didn't know the specific distance, but I mean, obviously, Canada borders Alaska. Yeah. Alaska. Yeah. You just shoot across the just water. Across the water. About fifty-five kilometers, <laughs> yeah. and you're in Russia. No, we're not that far. So I, I found it interesting the amount of people are thinking like, oh, on the other side of the world. I'm like, well, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and it is far away. It's not super close, but it's uh, it's close enough to home to freak some people out, and that's why some people are getting a little freaked out. Are you scared? Um, for us specifically. Well. L- That's a really good question, and I honestly don't know how I feel, but I've got a whole bunch of different things on my mind when it comes to Ukraine and Russia, so I'll just run off a couple of them. Am I scared? At the moment, no. Do the Ukrainian people need our help? Yeah, they absolutely do. Should Canada and the U.S. and Great Britain and France and Germany put troops on the ground in Ukraine? I really don't know that that's going to make a big enough difference right now. I think really what that's going to do is be the beginning of World War III. Now, I read this morning, I think it was Reuters that was reporting it, Belarus, as early as today, may join the Russian army in invading Ukraine. Okay, well, once other parties start getting involved here too, that puts a different spin on it. I think that, and and at first I didn't think much of the sanctions. I thought, ah, Putin doesn't care about the sanctions. I'll actually give them credit. I'm going to give credit all around here. I think the the sanctions they put in, the ones specifically on on Putin and on the wealthy people in Russia, mm-hmm. that's a good way to do it. I mean, the Russian stock market almost completely crashed on Friday, and it might have already again today. It was down by like 30% or something. That's one of those things where the power of the people is going to be important because – Putin can can claim that the Russian people are united and they have to take back Ukraine. When regular people and the wealthy elite in Russia don't have access to their money or they've been kicked out of this place and that place, when they can't go to other countries because their visas have been denied, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff adds up. And that sure. that translates to pressure on Putin, not just from the world, but also internally. So it was smart to put those sanctions in place. And I don't know if it was Biden or Johnson or Trudeau or who came up with it, but whoever did, did a good job. Do we need to get involved militarily? I mean, really, that's just a nuance at this point. We basically are. We've got troops going over there. We're sending all kinds of non-lethal and lethal weapons over there. I mean, to Putin, to Russia, does it matter if it was an actual Canadian or American that fired the shot? Or does it matter just that it was Canadian guns that allowed the Ukrainians to fire the shot? I don't know. But it kind of seems like we are basically involved without our troops on the ground. The only thing I think missing here, and there's two things I think in particular, if shit gets really bad, if Belarus does join in, if anyone else joins in, I think we probably should consider enforcing a no-fly zone no airspace over ukraine shall be violated and and that's as simple as if you guys want to fight it out on the ground you go ahead and fight it out but nobody's getting bombed from the air here mm-hmm. we've got our air force that's ready to go okay that's something to consider when it comes to the money though i mean you hear it in every aspect of this it's the money and most of that money is oil money It's amazing how much Russian oil America imports. It's amazing how much Russian oil 
the UK and other countries in Europe import. I hate to sound like a broken record here, but we have a lot of oil in Canada. We could be supplying the world. America, you don't need to be buying billions of dollars a day worth Mm -hmm. of Russian oil. We were ready to go. We had the pipeline already half built. It's there. We can ship you our oil. Work with us to finish Keystone XL. Let's get that oil down there and let's make North America completely self-sufficient when it comes to energy. We don't need to be importing oil from the Middle East or from Russia. We don't. We've got Canadian oil here that would do just fine for the foreseeable future. Well, maybe it'll come to that at some point where they'll have those discussions. I'm not sure. Even Canada imports some Russian oil, and that shocked me. I know. Why would we do that? Imagine Longos going to Zares to grocery shop. That's essentially what it is. We have oil. We don't need to import any of this. And I have a feeling it's going to come down to that. I don't know what the timeline is or what the end game here is. It seemed like things were going very quickly, and I don't know how much longer it's going to stay like this. But back to the will of the Ukrainian people to defend their land the way they've been defending it Mm -hmm. is admirable. I don't know that I would have the courage to do that, but they are. And you got to respect it. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Before we move on to a couple other things, because... Doug's in the news today. Today is an important day in Ontario. We're going to talk about Douglas Ford coming up in a sec. But before that, did you see who's back? Over the weekend, Donnie came out and gave a big speech. Mr. Trump is back on the scene right before the U.S. midterm elections. And what's he talking about? Donald Trump's talking about Canada, everybody. Listen to this. The tyranny we have witnessed in Canada in recent weeks should shock and dismay people all over the world. In an advanced Western democracy, the peaceful movement of patriotic truckers, workers, and families protesting for their most basic rights and liberties has been violently put down. Their assets and life savings have been frozen. They have been slandered as Nazis, racists, and terrorists. These are the names they've been called. They've been arrested and charged with phony crimes. They've been falsely accused of loyalty to foreign powers. I watched them. I saw those maple leaves all over the flags and the love for their country. Plenty of Americans were there, too, and they love our country. They're being hunted down like enemies of their own government and treated worse than drug dealers and murderers or rapists. A line has been crossed. You're either with the peaceful truckers or you are with the left-wing fascists. And that's what's been happening. The radical left is trying to replace American democracy with woke tyranny. They want to do the same thing to America that Trudeau has been doing to Canada, and much, much worse. Our mission in 2022 and in 2024 is to take on this radical and power-hungry ruling class and to deliver them an electoral defeat so resounding that they are exiled into political oblivion, never, ever to return again. 
<laughs> he got a standing he's, ovation. <laughs> so he still does get like fill me in here because I don't follow any Trump nonsense. I he's still doing rallies and things like of this nature. That was the annual conservative conference, okay. CPAC. Okay. And and he was there and they did his poll and, and they asked their members there because these are the people who are they can count on those people not just to vote, but to vote Republican. And they said, Who's your choice for presidential candidate in 2024? Who's it gonna be? Is it going to be Donald Trump or is it going to be Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida? Trump won more than half the vote. Wow. They still, on that side of the political spectrum, love Donald Trump down there. And you know what? When he says shit like that about Trudeau, the people here who don't like Trudeau hear that and they're thinking, fuck yeah, let's go. He, that was actually a very motivating speech for people that are on the right that would tend to support Donald Trump. How did it end up going this weekend? Wasn't there supposed to be a protest in Washington regarding that? Or is it just because of everything that's happening in Ukraine and Russia right now really just... Uh, you know, taking that uh, taking over the entire news cycle, so we really wouldn't have seen much anyway. Yeah, I mean, they started out on the U.S. Freedom Convoy, and they were going from California to Washington. But I read one report, and I don't know if it's true or not, because the news coverage is mainly about Ukraine and of Russia. Course, understandably, uh, that they got as far as Vegas, and there was very few trucks still in the convoy. So they said, you know what? Forget it. We will do it soon. Oh wow! But there's also no point really in doing it. In America, the CDC just lifted the mask mandate. Yeah. New York has lifted their mask mandate. Yeah. California, parts of it has lifted their mask mandate. And that was basically all they had left. Right. Americans would be truly shocked if they saw the restrictions that we still have here because they think they're being oppressed. It's wild what's still going mm-hmm. on here in Canada. I think the CDC point that you made is, is a big one, too. When the CDC says, you know, uh, why do we bother with masks? I mean, we listen to that, don't we? Don't we pay attention here to that? Well, we cherry pick what we want well, from the course, States. Of course, of course, yes. I mean, if it's something that we agree with, then yeah, the CDC said it. If it's something we disagree with, fuck the pretend CDC. It, pretend they don't exist. <laughs> Just pretend like yeah. they didn't say anything. Like, no, nah, I didn't hear that. Well, Americans have that love-hate relationship with the CDC, sure. even though, I mean, from our perspective, looking down there, it seems like they had a pretty easy ride. They locked down once. We locked down four times. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they had a mask mandate and some people hated it. Some people were good with it. Fine. I think that's the way it is here. I mean, for the most part. I think we're okay, or we at least understand that masks do help. And even though that mandate in Ontario, they haven't announced a date, but all indicators are by the time you get back to school from spring break, you won't be wearing a mask mandatory in the classroom. Right. And you won't be when you walk into a restaurant or go to a Leaf game or whatever. Our mask mandate is ending in the next two to three weeks. All indicators are that's not confirmed. In the CDC... In their case, uh, they've provided some guidance that some of it was good, some of it was bad. They were wrong and they were right. Either way, they had a much better track record than that fucking science table we've got here in sure. Ontario. Did you? <laughs> the science did, fiction table, sorry. Did you see the uh, SNL skit this weekend on the masks? No, I didn't see it. Oh, there's a great skit where there's a bunch of friends getting together. It's, it's very, it'll be very familiar to a lot of us. But they're getting together inside a restaurant and one of them's wearing a mask and they're like, you can take your mask off, you know. And the one person says, you know, you hear the CDC said, like, we probably can go without masks. Like, that's that's great. But everyone's so careful, right? They're not sure what to say. Like, kind of makes you wonder if we and they're careful mm. needed to wear them the whole careful <laughs> whole time. 
<laughs> and like everyone's kind of afraid of like, what do we say? Do we talk about the vaccine? Like, do we even begin on that? Is that work? Is that that's working? Hospitalizations are down. That's a fact, guys. Hospitalizations were down. We're good. But it makes you wonder if it needs to be mandatory. Don't talk about it. Anyways, it is really well done. John Mulaney was the host over the weekend. He did a great job. I, uh, I was actually at the dog park. It was yesterday morning, and I got there early, picked up a coffee, took the dog, and thought, it's a good time to go on a Sunday morning. It'll be fairly quiet. I can get some, some work in with the dog, get him doing some training. Sure. There was another dog there, so I thought, well, that plans out the fucking window because Charlie will not focus if there's another dog. But I'm glad that this happened because the guy I ran into, he's going to be a listener to After 9. He has a very long commute every day all the way to Richmond Hill. So I met him and it turns out he is the operations manager at a company that makes masks. Oh, well, cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, they're doing pretty well. And, and I asked him, I'm like, all right, well, you're in the industry. You must have some sort of an ability to know what's coming. Otherwise, you couldn't plan for your business. Is there another variant coming? He said, yeah, 100%. There's another variant coming. Doesn't exactly know when well, or which one it will be. scientist. Why are we listening to the mask CEO guy? Well, I have to think that based on government orders and so on and so forth, he's probably got a pretty good indicator of the way things are going. Uh, no, we don't have a crystal ball, but he's pretty confident another one's coming. He says a level three mask is the best protection you can get. If you can't get an N95, he said get a level three. He said if he was in a COVID wing at a hospital, he would feel very confident walking around in just a level three mask. Cloth masks, like the ones that we were all racing to buy on Etsy two years ago. Garbage, throw that shit out! But it's true. But even with those masks, eh, I didn't catch COVID. By the way, by the way <laughs> they, seem to, they do something. But isn't it after everyone's company? Like, didn't everyone's company go ahead and like purchase these cloth masks? Like oh. everybody wear them with their logo on it, and then <laughs> they're like, they're no good. Like, now they're no Why did good. we spend five thousand dollars on these masks? That was a stupid idea. Hey, hey. <laughs> but again, that goes back to the changing advice that's come from the CDC of course, and of the course, science nobody's, fiction table. It's and, nobody's fault well maybe but nobody's fault really it's kind of funny right now because i can sit here in the cheap seats and it doesn't really matter to me i'm glad that tomorrow the mandates many of them in ontario are ending Mm -hmm. today is the final day in ontario where we have to deal with restrictions on gatherings capacity limits and vaccine passports as of tomorrow whether it's uh the keg or a mom and pop donut shop or Scotiabank Arena. Full capacity, no vax passport required unless the business wants to require it. How many people are you seeing, by the way? I'm, I'm seeing a few people so far. Just a few. I, I think I think the percentage is not super high. It's like 20% of people, I would assume, are like, well, if it doesn't, if you don't have a vax passport mandated in your business, I'm not going. And going out of their way to say that, Oh, I just want to, yeah. you know, and if that's the case, cool. Don't. Cool. You do you. But I don't think that you could like saying that out loud is going to make a lot of businesses change their mind, whatever, whatever they've made their mind up to be, you know? Uh-huh. It's funny because when you follow the Twitter doctors and the TV doctors, many of them seem like they're desperately trying to cling on to whatever fame and stardom they've had over the last two years. Many of them are like clawing away at it and vicious, vicious attacks on any business yeah. that doesn't intend to keep or to, to lose the, the passports like the chief medical officer of health is recommending you do. 
If you want to keep it, fine, but we're not advising it on a provincial level anymore. And some of these doctors are going after any business that's contemplating not checking for passports. And they've got these wild takes about variants and and the way things are going. It's all going to hell, everybody. And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. we did it your way for two years and four times we got locked down. For two years, we did exactly what you told us to do. And not only was the modeling wildly wrong, it didn't happen the way you said it would, and it didn't work. I'm sorry, guys, but the game was up. The second fully vaccinated people got restricted from restaurants and restricted from all the other things that got shut down. When they said, even if you're fully vaxxed, you can't go to a gym. That's where you lost the room on that one. Sorry, but it's true. And if they could have just found a, a better way to manage Omicron, when the public knew that it was not as serious a variant as Delta, when the public looked and saw the light at the end of the tunnel and all these other countries opening, and you guys insisted we had to double down and shut everything down again. We never got to where you said we'd get. And frankly, when you restricted fully vaccinated people from doing things, that's where this went south. It's the reality of it. And I'm seeing these doctors like desperately hanging on to relevance. And I'm thinking it's almost kind of sad, but you know, this is kind of the way others felt. You know, when you used to shame everybody into, oh, you didn't get your uh, vaccine shot, eh? Fuck you. You're going to lose your job. Yeah, you're going to not get EI. Well, you had a choice. It's almost like it's getting thrown back at them now. And I don't know if these doctors are truly upset about this or if they're just going to go along with it because that's the way the public's going. Hey, listen, you can try and stop the river, but the river's going to keep flowing no matter what. It'll find a way to keep going. And at this point, it's too late to go back to restrictions unless there is some wildly serious variant that comes out down the line. Let's hope it doesn't get to that because we need the normal. Tomorrow is March, and it's amazing all the great things that are happening in March that can give us a little bit of hope, Cat, International Women's Day is next week. We've got uh, Daylight Savings Time is kicking in on the 13th of March. Mm-hmm. March break begins officially on the 14th. Yes. St. Patty's Day on the 17th. Yes. First day of spring is the 20th. Yeah. March is one of those months. It, can, it kind of gives you a little bit of hope, doesn't it? March is like that little sneak peek. And every now and again, we'll get those like double digit temperature days in March. I'm not saying that's what we're going to get. God, I hope so. But some every now and again, you know, the, the temp creeps up a little bit too. And you get that feeling like, okay, guys, summer is actually happening in a couple months. And you get just those little glimmers of hope. I like March. I've always been a fan of March. Yeah, March is a great month. April's a good month, too, actually. It's really good, yeah. May, just make it part of summer. May, June, July, August, just make it summer. It's the colder part of it. Um, the Premier is going to be out today to do an announcement. It hasn't happened yet as we record, but today they're going to announce something that I'm actually a little curious about. They're going to announce a minimum wage for workers in the gig economy. Okay. The gig economy... is the people who, for example, drive for DoorDash, drive for Uber. Gig economy is when you make money off of those apps. What I don't understand is, and and maybe the devil's going to be in the details here when the labor minister and the premier come out and make this announcement today. I really don't know what this is going to accomplish. Mm -hmm. The whole point of the gig economy is you work whatever you want. You make as much money as you're willing to work. Right. Can you make $15 an hour driving for DoorDash? In all likelihood, you probably could. Yeah. But you got to work. You get paid based on the deliveries you do or the rides that you drive. Okay. It's a weird thing to me to say, 
yeah, we're going to guarantee you're going to make $15 an hour. Are there people who don't do enough runs to make $15 in one hour? I'm sure there's a lot of people that, that do work in that industry that are going, I'm a little concerned because if you're telling me that that's the minimum that I have to be paid for doing this, am I going to actually end up having less hours or my hours pushed back? Or are they going to tell me, no, no, you're not needed on Friday. We are full. We can't like, you're not going to drive around for nothing for $15 an hour. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Devil's going to be in the details. What's the current uh, scenario here? you get paid like X amount of dollars per trip, per kilometer. Like, how does that work as is? Do you know? Yeah, well, my son did some DoorDash deliveries when he was home. And for him, it was quite good. He knew the restaurants that had a bigger tip out. He had the rest or the had a bigger payout. He knew the places that were close. I mean, he had it down to a science where he was making good money, like 40, 50, 60 bucks an hour in some cases, just doing multiple deliveries. So it's per delivery, you, but it's not de- a certain amount of money per delivery. I, I believe it's a percentage of the order or something like that. You, the driver gets paid to drive from the restaurant to the destination and put the food on the porch and take a picture. <laughs> so I could technically buy one small product from one place for $6 and that's on me to pay the delivery fee, I suppose, for it. And the driver's still going to make $15 an hour to get that to me. Yes. if he do- Well, see, this is the, the detail that yeah, I'm not sure about. Yeah, okay. I, I really, I, I get it. I, I think that everybody should know that we have a minimum wage in Ontario and your minimum wage is $15 an hour and eventually it'll be up to 18 and then 20 and carry on from there. The gig economy, though, was always about you get paid to work. And if you don't work, you don't make any money, but you also don't have set hours. You can just turn it on because you've got an yeah. hour free. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can make money yeah. in the gig economy. Giving them a guaranteed minimum wage I don't think it's going to be relevant here in Southern Ontario. Maybe if you're on the clock in, I don't know, a suburb of Saskatchewan that only has 20 people living in it and you did a delivery and then it, 45 minutes later, your next one came in, maybe you should get paid for that because you were on call, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. I just don't know how we can say minimum $15 an hour. When the whole point of it is you have to work to make the money. Yeah, I, I always thought the best part about those jobs was that flexibility. Was that just, I can do as much work as I, as I want and make the money that I want to make, basically. It's my choice. I feel like with, and again, I know we need to know details, but I feel like with these changes, it, there's going to be a little more, you're going to be restricted more. I mean, there's yeah. going to be more of a schedule. And I don't know if people like doing that because the reason why they do it is because they already have a schedule with another job, for example. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have a full-time job. This is what I do on the side. But if you're going to tell me I absolutely, my set hours, for example, might be here this hour to that hour, that doesn't work for me. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what they end up with here. I think probably the better thing that they could have done for the gig economy, um, the portable benefits that they're introducing, that's fantastic. But that doesn't just apply to the gig economy. That applies to people who are self-employed. You can basically buy your benefits from the government in whatever industry you're in. Great. The gig economy, probably what would have been better for them is just remove the line on the income tax form where you have to declare your tips. You'll have your income from doing your gig economy work. Anything extra you make on the side, maybe you made less than $15 an hour. Maybe you made more. The tips should probably just remain untaxed in that industry, given that it is all digital. Does anyone tell the truth in that line anyway? Well, I mean, Uh, it's when it goes through the app, there's a document of it. I mean, you can not declare your tips, but 
it's there. People know about it. The company knows. I suppose if you ever got audited and they said, let me see your statement here from DoorDash. Absolutely. You always run the risk of being audited. Um, I'm just wondering how many people are completely truthful. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you apologize if you get caught. And if you don't get caught, you just keep on doing it. A lot of people do that. Forgot to add two zeros to that total. Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, I'll give the premier the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if this is going to be a good thing or not, but I don't even know if people in the gig economy were... Oh, please, God, get us to $15 an hour. I I, I don't know why you'd do it if you're not making $15 in an hour. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know either. I'm curious, and I would like to hear uh, from people who do drive and how do you feel about this announcement. After it's made, of course, let us know. There's a really good thread on Reddit that just got picked up by BuzzFeed. And there's a lot of truth to this. I don't know if we're going to agree on all of them. But basically, the entire article was about... The careers that have gone from respected careers to disrespected. Not necessarily a joke, but certainly not on the same level that they once were. I'm going to run down a few of them from the actual thread on Reddit. And and like I said, BuzzFeed picked up a few of these too. So maybe you've seen it. Critics. Mm. Remember back in the day? Oh, I heard this movie is great because Roger Ebert said it's awesome. Yeah, you had to, I guess at one point you had to read about it in a newspaper because there are certain critics who are allowed to see the movies in advance and only that you know very prestigious group of people could see it. So you just judged whether or not you wanted to watch something on their judgment. Well, they say in order to be taken seriously as a critic, you had to have some accomplishments in the field that you were critiquing to show that you have a valuable opinion on the subject. But somewhere along the line, the position devolved to really any asshole with an opinion is a critic. Yes, and general public, and general public. Like, you look at um, now websites, for example, and let's talk about movies. Sure, let's use that specific uh, example. If I want to go see a movie, what am I doing? I'm usually going to check it out on Rotten Tomatoes first or any kind of review site and say, Generally speaking, the public says this is a good movie. I trust the general public. Whereas you used to go to that one individual or maybe group of small group of people from, you know, whatever Hollywood source it might be to make your opinion. But now you're right. Everybody is giving for free their opinions on everything. Because everybody has a platform now because of social media. Hey, not everybody had that that TV half hour that Ebert and Ropert did back in the day. And not everybody had a column that was syndicated in every newspaper in every major city in the world. Now everybody is syndicated around the world. Your Twitter feed, your Facebook feed, your TikTok, whatever. It's all out there for anyone to see. And if you have even a half decent number of followers, you can call yourself a critic. And there's nowhere that you go to get certified as a critic. We just sort of take your word for it and believe whatever's in your bio. YouTube's another one, right? Go to YouTube and you'll find all kinds of personalities with a YouTube channel that will review all kinds of things. Whether we're talking movies or cleaning products or hacks of any kind, these are all people that we now are drawn to to figure out what we're supposed to buy next. It's incredible. This person says, my aunt used to crush it. As a travel agent back in the 80s and Mm. 90s until the internet totally blindsided her. (laughs) Internet's one of those things. And it's funny. I talked to a a travel agent. One of the careers that I wanted to get into or or consider getting into, I should say, before I ended up in radio, I thought, okay, I, I knew roughly, you know, my personality type. And I thought, what about being a travel agent? That would be cool. You know, you get to talk to people. You get to see things. Love it. And I remember in doing that, I talked to a couple of people who ran travel agencies that warned me against that. 
Like, oh, fuck no. Like, I don't even think this industry is going to exist in 10 years. They were really, really worried about it, basically. Like, no, don't do it. Like, absolutely not. Um, But that said, I I still would, would trust a travel agent to help me. If I have a more complex trip, like I understand the quickies, uh, like all inclusive booked it online, boom, more simplistic airport to hotel shuttle and then and then hotel back on and it's an all in one package. You know, if I'm getting a little more complex and I in fact did use a travel agent several years ago when I did like three trips in a row, I went from Kelowna to Vegas to here to there. I went like all over the place. I was just like, you know what? I'd rather you figure out what's the best flight I take from here to there at this time. I don't want any stopovers. That was my only rule. Here, have at it. And I and I got a and I ended up with a great trip. And did they tell you how much money you can save if you would just have a small stopover? No, yeah, of course. I don't mind stopovers. They, I I do mind stopovers. I would spend that money every single time, every single time. But yeah, you know, I I still think that there's great trustworthy travel agents. But I I totally understand that submission from Reddit. It's just not you don't see it as often too. I think for me. I have used travel agents in the past. Now, I, as a hobby, I like to book my own travel because I like to have complete control over my itinerary. And I do a lot of digging and a lot of research. And then I'll finally come out to whatever it is I have to book. Sure. When it comes to truly international travel, I would probably take up a flight attendant, sorry, a uh, travel agent in that case. If, if I'm going to... I don't know, some strange South American country where I don't even know what their visa requirements are, but I have to go there to catch a plane to here to get on a cruise, for example, then I would definitely bring in a travel yeah. agent. And the ones who are still doing it are the good ones. They know their stuff. They've been around yeah, long enough yeah. that despite so many people using the internet and apps to book their travel, they, these people are still around making enough money to do this. So well, obviously they're good at what they do. Don't forget the wedding industry also keeps it running. There's a ton of people who use the travel agencies because it's very important when you're trying to organize a group of 50 to 100 people all going to the Bahamas at the same time or whatever. You need those people. Again, these are careers that at one point were highly respected and now borderline disrespected. Flight attendant. Once a symbol of glamour. Oh, Now a joke, says this flight attendant. She says, I've been one for 14 years. And even in that short amount of time, I've seen a huge change in the level of respect. Sure. When I started, it was, oh, that's so cool. You get to travel and see the world and blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, ugh, that sucks. Sorry. Yeah, because people are assholes. And we see more and more viral videos of people being assholes. I feel for travel agents. Or sorry, for flight attendants. Lawyer. This person says, I'm one. (laughs) I've already heard all the jokes. Thank you very much. In the 19th century, it was really a position of prestige. In the mid-20th century, it meant Atticus Finch. Now it's just the equivalent of an ambulance chaser in the minds of most people. And it's too bad because when you actually need a lawyer, you can see what they actually do. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of in that boat. I know there's different lawyers that do different things, but watching my lawyer do some of the work that she does blows me Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Total respect for what they do. I do too. I have high respect. Translators. Translators used to be members of the royal courts. Now they are full on taken advantage of by agencies who know nothing about the industry, but hold all the clients. They often expect people with BAs and MAs, multiple certifications and decades of experience to work for very low pay. Hmm. Is there that much demand for it? I don't know. I wouldn't know either. Models. 
Seems oh. like anyone with a camera and a social media account can now call themselves a model. Well, and look, and now it's kind of model influencer all in one, right? It's kind of all smushed together because if you have enough followers, then that's what it takes to really become that to have that model status. That's all you need is that following and to look good for a company like a, a Gucci to catch on, for example. I don't know if Gucci's a good example, but even an H&M to catch on and be like, you know what? We're sending you shit. Here's a small amount of money. Go ahead and show it off on your Instagram account. So like influencer and model, I feel like have kind of at a certain point just kind of merged their way together as like one thingy. It's true. Milkman. Did we still have milkmen? I guess there's somebody that delivers milk from the farms to the stores. Yeah, yeah. There's especially in, in certain places. Apparently, it is more prominent than others. Yes. You know how old a house is if they've still got one of those containers where the person used to put the milk jugs back in the day. <laughs> See a lot of them in Kitchener. Uh, milkman, and let me get you the last one here. Oh yeah, salesman. My friend's dad used to be an advertising salesman for the Yellow Pages. It was a great job, and he made tons of money. Now, no one has a phone book anymore. <laughs> we, were just, we were just talking last week about how they use them to fill potholes. <laughs> well, what else are we going to use them for? I'm an advertising. I'm advertising for yellow pages. Ugh, fuck, you need to borrow some money. <laughs> Uh, thank you to everybody who reached out about Friday's episode of After Nine. That Chris Kattan interview was good. I didn't hear it when you were doing it because you were in our main studio and I was in the pod studio, but uh, it was good. He was a lot of fun. He had a great conversation with you. Yeah, you know, and I, f- I felt bad for him when I was watching Celebrity Big Brother because I, I feel like when you're someone like Chris Kattan, and he's not the only comedian, really, um, that is like this and that we've heard is like this, but he's actually super introverted. He is not because he is so funny in all these movies and doing these things. And he is funny once he's comfortable with people, but if he was really out of his comfort zone when he was trying to compete against these people inside the celebrity big brother house. And that's what we talked about a little bit in case you missed that uh, interview. And I don't know if it, anything would come from the fact that I asked him about Night at the Roxbury, but I don't think that Will Ferrell will ever do it, in case you're curious about that part. It doesn't seem like it. Will Ferrell is a strange cat. I mean, he's such a funny guy, and some of the greatest movies of our generation, the ones that really made us laugh, have featured Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. But he's very, very picky about what the roles he does now. It's almost like he's trying to it's- cement his legacy. Like, God help the world if there's an old school, too. You know what it is? It's not It's not really that as much as, as it is his dislike for Adam McKay. Adam McKay's behind all those movies. All those movies you like that are with Will, Will Ferrell is Adam McKay movie. And Adam McKay and Will Ferrell are no longer friends. They no longer speak to one another. In, spe- in fact, Adam said he, he did fuck up. He did fuck up that relationship because he gave a role to John C. Riley that Will Ferrell wanted and didn't talk to him about it. And Will had to find out through John C. Riley. So in case you're wondering why, that's the reason why Will Ferrell won't do a lot of like the, the Step Brothers Part 2 or Elf. Two, for example, why it's never going to happen because he does not want to work with Adam McKay anymore. He feels like he's just giving money to Adam McKay and he doesn't like him. So that's the reason why. Got it. Uh, Let's run through a couple of quick things here. The SAG Awards were on last night. Yeah, they were on. I know. But they weren't on. They weren't on. Yeah, you're right. So they happened. (laughs) But you had to have like VPN to watch it. Um, unless you had like, in other words, you had to have VPN in order to get to TNT. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, was how it was run. Super strange this year. I know award shows are really bombing. I don't know if you guys have noticed award shows are bombing. So it's really hard to to um, 
get those giant networks like your NBCs and your ABCs in the States to jump on board. And unless that's happening, it's not like a Canadian network is going to come along and scoop it up. For what reason? But it seemed like uh, it was a pretty good show. I was happy to see some cast members from Squid Game getting some awards. Michael Keaton broke my heart uh, last night dedicating his award. Uh, he did a movie called Dope Stick, and it is about drugs. And he, for those that don't know, his nephew overdosed and died um, of uh, the, like similar topics as, as what are represented in that movie. So he dedicated the award to both his sister, who obviously went through that tragic loss of her son, and uh, his nephew, too. So that broke my heart, for sure. Thank you very much. Sorry. Quick trick to the men's room. It's, it, it's packed, by the way. This is so nice. Thank you very much. I've sent out my preemptive thanks to everyone involved in this, especially Marnie. But mostly, given the subject matter, this is for my nephew, Michael, and my sister, Pam. I lost Michael. I lost my nephew, Michael, to drugs, and it hurts. This is for my sister, Pam. Thanks. And uh, but a lot of uh, a lot of great moments. Everyone looked good. But it was fine. And were stars actually there? Oh yeah. All of them, or did most skip it? Or no, there was a lot of stars there. There were a ton of stars there. Yeah, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga had a nice. Uh, they reunited, uh, which was nice to see for different movies, of course. Uh, Lady Gaga did lose to Jessica Chastain in her category, and Bradley Cooper never won in his. Ted Lasso, massive, massive winner uh, last night. Show. Oh my gosh! So Jason Sudeikis, along with ensemble cast, uh, like I mentioned, Squid Game, tons of uh, awards. Kate Winslet, my girl, Kate, she won an award. Um, a good mix of, of TV and movie, and it just also it can be a good indication of who might win an Oscar. Not all, I, I put an asterisk on that one only because SAG, you vote for yourself. You got a SAG card, you get to vote. So it's basically like actors and actresses like patting each other on the back. And, and, and obviously directors and anyone else involved in these productions are all voting for each other. But it kind of gives you an indication of what they like, at least. Uh, but the Oscars, there's a lot of similar nominees for the Oscars next month. So we'll cover that, too. Okay, I'm keeping an eye on the clock here. Let's see what more we can squeeze in. Do you believe, actually believe, that you can be pregnant and not know it? I mean, ready to deliver oh, stage of pregnancy. God, I can... I, it's not that I don't believe that people when they say that that has happened before, but I don't ever, I could not ever see that scenario. No, no. I mean, I don't. I, I believe them. I mean, of course, I have a tendency to believe people if they really, truly didn't feel it. But fuck, I knew I was pregnant like the moment I was pregnant. So it's hard for me to really fathom that. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can, you can tell that something changes in you, I something guess. Something changes, yeah. Okay. A lot of different changes. Uh, Michigan woman. Claims she gave birth to a baby boy while on the toilet less than a week after learning she was pregnant. Tegan is her name. 21 years old, a senior at Hope College, took a pregnancy test last February after feeling like she'd put on some weight. It turned positive. She figured she was maybe a couple weeks along. She has a long-distance boyfriend. She went to the bathroom... And realized, oh, shit, I just had a baby. She was full term. The baby was just under nine months inside her. That's fucking crazy. Like, How that's just mind boggling to me. Mind boggling. I, I, 
I'm never going to understand that, I guess, but it... it oh, I don't know. Been, I just don't I, know that that's... I don't know how it's possible. I've been pregnant like, twice and I don't understand how that could happen. I just I mean, don't know I how don't. you're that out of tune with your own body. I mean, me, if I get a different creak in my knee when I get up a different way, I think to myself, <laughs> I got to mention that to the doctor. Yeah, I'm having a baby in my knee as well. Exactly. Um, while we're talking about oh, the toilet... Oh, is baby okay, by the way? We should probably clarify baby healthy oh, fuck i never finished yeah that story. we should probably make we should probably wrap that up in a nice bow <laughs> i hope baby's not left in the toilet everyone everyone's good uh she says she tried to call her roommates but none of them answered their phones she called 911, and while on the phone with a medic she explained i pulled my baby out the entire time i was on the phone with the emt i couldn't stand up they arrived about five minutes after i had my child in the toilet I looked down, I saw him coming out, I pulled him out, wrapped him in a towel, then the ambulance came and took care of things. Oh, good. Good. So a happy ending. She had, because maybe you're wondering, oh, didn't she notice she wasn't getting her period? She says she had what she thought was her period through the entire thing. Yeah. It may not necessarily have been menstruation, though it could have been bleeding yes. from any number of things. And I know that happens. It's more like the movement and stuff. I don't know how I've missed that, but mm. all right. You think you notice, right? I'm going to kick my, my what organ is kicking me. Husband and wife the other day finally got sick of it. They could hear a rattling sound when they flushed their toilet, but they have an older home, so they just sort of wrote it off like, oh, eventually we'll get around to replacing the toilet. The noise was actually getting louder, and finally she said to her husband, hey, go take a look at that toilet. Let's figure out what the hell's going on. The toilet shouldn't rattle every time we go pee. So they got a plunger and they plunged and they plunged and they plunged some more. And boop, what floats to the top of the toilet? Her iPhone that she lost 10 years ago. It was Halloween night 10 years ago. She got absolutely stinking drunk, woke up the next morning and couldn't find her phone. For the life of her, she could not find her phone anywhere. So she gave up and just went out and bought herself a new phone. Now she knows she <laughs> dropped the phone in the toilet and it got stuck going around that little bend in the bottom of the toilet. But every time they flushed, as the water level went down, the phone was still rattling against the inside of the toilet. And in case you're wondering, it was one of the original models, not waterproof. The phone is ruined, but at least the mystery <laughs> no, is solved. No shit, pun intended. No <laughs> shit. Um, so I, these are the... 10 years ago, iPhone is like, is thinner, right? So that's why, because I'm like, how the fuck would you be able to even flush an iPhone if you tried? But the smaller, like the first one edition, sorry, were very actually small. Funny cat, if you hold one of the OG yeah. iPhones, it's crazy how yeah. much different it is. And yeah, I could kind of see how that would float down the toilet. Jeez. Wouldn't get all the way through the pipes, but it would certainly go through the opening. Next time, check your phone at the door, everybody. Check your phone at the bathroom door. Last thing we're going to do is some hot takes on food. This is an interesting study. It's, uh, it, it asked people about various food preferences and things like that, and, and they were trying to create some controversy here, and they definitely succeeded. When they asked people about chili, with or without beans, 55% said with beans, 16% said without, 18% had no preference. How can you eat a bowl of chili and not care? If there's no beans in it. I thought that was one of the main ingredients to chili. Like, do, it do, is. You, do you even have a chili if you don't have beans in it? Thank you. That's not a chili. I, You've had some sort of a weird stew. <laughs> 
One asked if you prefer salmon cooked or if you prefer it raw, like sushi. Oh, difficult. Or or maybe served uh, uh, what, a smoked. I, I'm like smoked, yeah. 48% prefer their salmon cooked, less than half. 10% said they like it best as sushi. 5% liked it smoked. Hmm. That's a surprise to me. I mean, the sushi, I thought that'd be a lot higher. Isn't a spicy uh, salmon roll just a... It's basically a given. That's like your appetizer before you get into the sashimi. It's funny. See, and I, I um, although I enjoy all three of those options that you mentioned, I got to say flavor-wise, not a fan of the sushi style. Really? There's not. There's a total lack of flavor for me. If it's in a, If it's in something or a roll like you mentioned, yeah, okay, but th- that's because there's more flavor coming from other things in that roll. But if I'm just eating it sashimi style, again, it's not that I hate it. I like all of the options. But I don't find the taste to be there. It's not like I'm yum, nom, nom, nom. Give me some more of that. I don't find it's very tasty at all. The smoked is probably my favorite, but it's certain occasions. Like I can only have it on certain occasions. Whereas a nice cooked salmon, oh, there's nothing like it. A little lemon wedge. Oh, yeah, give me that. I ate so much salmon for a while that I actually made myself totally sick of salmon. I'll eat any fish except for salmon now. Yeah. I'm just done with it. Uh, A couple more on this. Well, it's expensive, so it's probably for the best. (laughs) It's time to divide the audience once again. Lock in your side here, everybody. Chicken wings. Bones or boneless? They're not wings if they don't have bones. Thank you. Thank you. 35% bones. 34% boneless. 19% say they don't care. They just want the meat. And 12% don't like chicken wings. But they're just chicken nuggets with sauce on them if yeah. they're not wings. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing. It's not like they just pulled all the meat off the bone. <laughs> no, so- they took meat and formed it into something that kind of <laughs> resembles a wing. They don't just suck the bone out and then leave you with the meat. That's not how it works. Bread, white or whole wheat? Always whole wheat. Wait, it's gross. 41% said whole wheat. 35% said white. There's some people who just don't like the taste of whole wheat bread. And they go to white instinctively, even Ooh, though it's just not good. It's just bad for you. It's just bad. Look, hey, I, I don't mean to be too judgy. I know there's people who grew up on white, so they keep serving white to their kids. I f- cannot stand white. It's so bad for you. It gets progressively more controversial. We've done the bread. We've done the chicken wings. Peanut butter. Creamy or crunchy? Oh, man. When I was a kid, I used to love crunchy. I, would, I, would love, I loved it. But I'm going to go with uh, smooth here. 48% say they want creamy. Only 30% say crunchy. 12% say they'll take whatever they can get. Yeah. Coffee. Are we adding milk or cream and sugar or just drinking it black? Mm. It's amazing because I think the number of people that claim they drink coffee every day is over 80%. But do you really like coffee if you need to put something in it? That's a question that a lot of coffee aficionados would ask. When it comes to coffee, 51% want the add-ons like cream or milk and sugar. Only one in five prefer their coffee black. Mm -hmm. Alcohol, beer, wine, liquor, or a spiked seltzer? What's going to be the most popular out of that? I'm going to take a guess on this one. Go. Um, I don't think most people, I'm going to say most people said hard liquor. 18% said beer. 17% said wine, 16% liquor, and 5% spiked seltzers. Yeah, I should have known beer. I'm not, uh, it's not my go-to. 
not it, my go-to, but I understand. It's popular, right? It's easy. It's easy is what it is. That's a little skewed because in all fairness, 32% say they will drink all of them. Anything? And 7% <laughs> said, give. I will drink anything you put in front of me. I don't even give a shit if it's refrigerated. Give it to me. <laughs> On wine specifically, though, they broke it down. Red, white, something else. Mm-hmm. 28% said red, 18% said white, 18% said they enjoy both equally. Yeah. I can't get into it. See, can't. I, I, to me, white wine's just for cooking. Yeah, I, uh, I'm probably that 18% because winter months, I tend to skew more red. Summer months, I tend to skew more white. I could definitely see that. Throw a little rosé in there for the crossover season. And, and absolutely. Well, rosé is good any old time. <laughs> a little but, d- dessert wine at Christmas or Thanksgiving? I can't do the dessert wine. It's so it's sweet. It's too sweet. It's too, like drinking it's maple syrup. I did like the I did the Inniskillen thing and they took me on a little special special tour at the time and they let me try all these different ice. Oh, it's the ice wine that Barack Obama was served the, the inauguration night. They right. actually chose Inniskillen uh, ice wine, just so people know. Fun fact, Canadian, love it. So they chose to serve that. So they gave me some of it because I'm like, well, if it's good enough for Obama, it's good enough for Cat Callahan. And I try to step. I'm like, that is too sweet for me. <laughs> I'm going to back away. <laughs> Did you have a good weekend, by the way? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was chill. I got to tell you what happened to me on Saturday. Uh, girlfriend's parents were coming over. So all hands on deck. I was tired, but was I... That, was that the first time, sorry, going to your new house? First time for like an official visit, visit okay. not like helping us move boxes right. or anything. Right. So they were coming over and they were coming over for a meal. And I thought, <laughs> ah, <laughs> I got to do this right. And this was a great weekend because uh, brisket was on sale, seven ninety nine a pound. So I got a massive six pound brisket and I was ready. I don't have a smoker, but I was going to cook it in the oven and then finish it on the barbecue and cat. It was one of the best things I've ever eaten. I was so proud of myself, but I got into the red wine. No, here it is. And I worry about me sometimes because when I'm drinking, the inhibitions are somewhat gone and and I don't want to say something stupid or embarrassing. So I was really just trying to shut my mouth. And all in all, the visit went great. They complimented the food. They thanked me very much and they were on their way. Then, and I'd already drank a bottle of wine and smoked a joint. <laughs> <laughs> I'd already done it. So I was feeling pretty fucking wobbly at this point, but I, I held it together for the visit. Then the girlfriend came to me and said, oh, my sister's going to come over for a visit with her family. And I thought, oh, fuck me. Okay, when's this happening? She said, they'll be here in about half an hour. I thought, okay, I'm going to go downstairs. or I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to lay down for 20 minutes and then I'll get myself cleaned up. I'll be ready for round two of entertaining in half an hour. Apparently, I like passed out. You didn't get back up again. She woke me up at 1230 and said, yeah, they're gone. You can go to bed now. I slept for like six fucking hours. I don't know how to, ex- I don't know. Do I have to go over there and apologize? Like, hey, thanks for coming over. I'm sorry I fell asleep. I, it was much more important to me to make your parents impressed than you. I, I don't know. How do I spin that? You spin it by, yes, you show up with a gift in hand, that being the exact bottle of red that you decided to chug before they came over. <laughs> I liked it so much, I wanted to gift you one and say sorry. I think you'll like it just as much as I did. It's a 2007 Chianti. You're going to love it. (laughs) Before I passed out, I thought, you guys are going to like this one. (laughs) Sorry, I drank it all. Here's a bottle just for you. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out, should I have not smoked the joint or should I have only had half the bottle of wine? I don't know. Who knows? It could have been a a mix. You never do the joint until you're ready to go to sleep, man. I was like, that's such a rookie move. Such a rookie, eh? Such a rookie move. 
Have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I think we're going to have a guest tomorrow, and he's a former Toronto radio personality. Uh, We've been texting back and forth trying to coordinate it, so uh, tune in tomorrow. We may or may not have a special guest. I think it's going to happen, and I think Dave is going to be back on Friday this week. Which is great. If the screwing around has come to an end, (laughs) then he will be back on. Have a great Monday, everybody. Enjoy this sunshine. Bye. They saw that Honda is investigating claims of unexpected braking in nearly two million of its vehicles. When they heard, Kia was like, and that's why our cars don't have brakes. Researchers have observed a nearly 60-foot-tall rogue wave off the coast of British Columbia, which is the largest ever recorded. Researchers believe the wave was generated when Yo Mama fell overboard. There's a war happening in Eastern Europe right now. Even the Taliban is pushing for a peaceful resolution. Sounds like somebody's been working on themselves during the pandemic, doesn't it? Many analysts were surprised Putin went through with the invasion, even though it was obviously going to be a colossal mistake. But he couldn't back down after all that buildup. Kind of like how NBC still had to go through with airing the Winter Olympics. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.